Well, this might be one of the more unusual messages you will ever hear, so just just a heads up. Uh, several years ago, the elders at Des Moines Fellowship Church did a teaching series on spiritual warfare. And as we were finishing up that series, one of the other elders asked, is there anything that we are missing? And for me, there was. For me, there was, because spiritual attacks on me uh, were so often clustered around a certain time of day. Uh, Probably close to 75% of my dealings with the powers of darkness or spiritual forces of wickedness seemed to take place at night or in the early morning. So I put together a message I called Nighttime Battles uh, in the hope that some might be helped to stand firm against the devil in the dark hours of the night. Now, this would not fit into any kind of normal Christmas message. Yet, it is precisely this kind of victory over darkness, sin, and fears that Christ came to give us, whether by day or by night. I do feel that talking about uh, nighttime spiritual battles is is somewhat risky uh, because it probably is not everyone's experience. But I do believe it is a fact that at certain times of day, we are more vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy than at other times. And you and I need to know those times and be prepared for those times. My dear mother, 93 years old, uh, fell and broke her arm recently, and she's in rehabilitation. And she is one of the most optimistic people I know. I mean, she's just always upbeat, always sees the bright side of everything. And yet, while she was uh, recovering here one night, she called my brother uh, about 1 to 2 a.m. in the morning. And she was very despondent. She said she was dying and wanted the family to come. And I won't go into all the story about that, but she did not die. She's doing fine. But to me, it was a very clear example of how often we see things the bleakest in the middle of the night. William Gurnall said, even the saint's sleeping time is Satan's tempting time or testing time. And that only makes sense. Uh, It has been estimated that you will spend more than 20 years of your life asleep or in bed. And Satan's not going to leave you alone for those 20 years that you spend in bed. If we are in in a spiritual conflict, and if the devil schemes against us, it does not make sense that the enemy of our souls would take the night off just because it's bedtime. You know, he, he doesn't say, oh, the saints are going to sleep. I'd better leave them alone tonight. Now, I'm, I'm going to be somewhat vulnerable, and I don't want to make this message about me at all, but I'm going to be somewhat vulnerable and just share a bit of my own experience. Uh, there are nights when I go to sleep and don't wake up till morning 
Or if I do wake up, I, I think of nothing more than just readjusting my pillow and turning over and going back to sleep. There are also many nights that I wake up, many nights that I wake up, and in fact, actually the majority of nights I wake up and spend time with the Lord. And, and it's, just, it's just me. I'm not telling anybody else to do that. It just is my natural clock, biological clock. Uh, but I wake up and have the sweetest times of communion with the Lord during the night. But there are also a few nights that I wake up, that I have woken up over the years, and have fought some of the most monstrous spiritual battles during the night with fear, condemnation, darkness, just gloom, oppression, whatever you want to call it. Again, to kind of keep the balance, you know, there are mornings that I wake up, look forward to the day, just eager and excited to get going. But there are also mornings that I wake up and I find myself myself fighting some kind of epic spiritual battle just to get my joy back, just to begin praising the Lord, to, to get back to walking with Him. And sometimes on those mornings, I went to bed the night before with peace, utter peace and communion and fellowship with God, and then you then wake up feeling, in a sense, under attack. You know, Psalm 30, verse 5 says, joy comes in the morning. And even that statement implies that there was a struggle during the night before that joy comes in the morning. And sometimes that can be our experience. But if you sleep like a baby every night with perfect peace, never have any disturbance of mind or soul or heart, and you wake up with boundless enthusiasm, perfect joy, perfect euphoria every morning, you can just ignore this message uh, just totally ignore me this morning and think about what you're going to have for lunch or, or whatever, or what you wish the Hawkeyes had done differently last night. <laughs> but what tells me that I am not completely alone on this is the Bible, and the Psalms in particular. There are six references to sleep or tonight or to my bed just in the first six Psalms. These are not figures of speech. He's not talking about nighttime figuratively. He's talking about literal times that we are in sleep, asleep or in bed. David frequently spoke about his struggles in the night. And I can only share like a minor or a very small fraction or percentage of those. In Psalm 6, 6, David said, I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. Another translation puts it this way. I am worn out from sobbing. Every night tears drench my bed. My pillow is wet from weeping. So very clearly, he is being so transparent about his struggles that are going on inside his heart and soul in the night to the point of of weeping uh, through the night. Psalm 77, verse 2. In the night my hand was stretched out without weariness, and my soul refused to be comforted. Again, another experience where David is obviously troubled deeply about something while lying on his bed. His hands, he says, were lifted to the Lord, but his heart had not yet 
found rest. It's just, that is just so real, realistic uh, kinds of struggles that we have sometimes during the night in our bed. Psalm 143, it was during the night that David said, for my enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. In the morning, O Lord, let me hear your loving kindness, for I trust in you. Again, just a deep spiritual conflict through the night, but yet just that prayer, Lord, at least by morning, at least by morning, let me hear and know and feel and see your loving kindness, for I trust in you. Psalm 22 is a prophetic psalm about Christ. Verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we've, we've all heard that. Those are words that Jesus uttered on the cross. But it goes on to say, Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And I cry out by night, but I find no rest. That's, those are words that prophetically are attributed to, to Christ expressing even, even in the night crying out. We should not forget that the great spiritual anguish that Jesus endured in Gethsemane was at night. Later on the same night when, G- when Judas betrayed Jesus, Jesus said this very interesting thing. He said, every day, you know, during the day while the sun was out, during the day, I was with you in the temple courts. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Every day I was with you in the temple courts, but this, this night hour, this is your hour when darkness reigns. Or this hour belongs to you and to the power of darkness. Jesus was out in the open every day and no one seized him. They did it at night in the darkness. There was a relationship between the darkness of night and the spiritual darkness of Satan filling Judas's breast and heart with betrayal of Jesus. Ecclesiastes 2.23 talks about how hard people work all day, how they toil and strive to make a living. And it says, His work is pain and grief, and even at night, his mind does not rest. Just showing, again, just, again, I'm just, I'm just, for you unbelievers out there, I'm just giving you biblical evidence that People do have spiritual battles at night. And if you don't take the scripture as evidence, here's what Charles Spurgeon said. That's supposed to be funny. (laughs) Night is the season of terror and alarm to most men. It's one of the greatest blessings we enjoy, yet to many, it is a gloomy period. So what are some of the nighttime battles and how can we prepare for them? First of all, uh, nighttime can be a time of accusation and of troubled conscience. Now, the work of your conscience is a good thing. It is to be a good thing. It is to be used by God in a good way. And sometimes we say or do something during the day that, that we really give no thought to, but during the night we may become aware of, of how we shouldn't have said that or how we shouldn't have done that. And God can speak to us. Uh, during the night in that way. And in fact, it's common for people to say things. I've even heard unbelievers say, you know, I couldn't do that because I want to be able to sleep at night. There's just an awareness. It's just an acknowledgement that our consciences are more 
uh, more keenly worked upon at night. So in a, in a positive way, God can speak to our conscience at night. Uh, and if there is a sin to forsake or an apology to make, uh, you just determine to do that. There, there's many nights I've gotten up and thought of something. I know I need to change or do different or say something about it. I'll just make a note mentally or write something down that I need to go deal with. But also, we can be more susceptible to Satan, to the enemy at night, condemning us for our sins. Uh, He will use the night hours when you are all alone to accuse, to condemn, to tell you there is no hope, no future, no chance for victory. Several years ago, I I clipped out a a little article in World Magazine. It's a Christian uh, magazine. And it had an article in there by uh, a writer by the name of Andre Siao. I'm not sure how I'm pronouncing it. I'm not even sure if it's a man or a woman, but Andre Siao. And he had this, this article was written about the, the wee hours of the night. And it said, here in the wee hours, things come alive that in daylight modes of thought we consider just figures of speech. Evil, finding the coast clear, sheds his daytime charade as a concept and hovers over my bed in inky, swirling menace. This is, this is a very conservative evangelical publication. So, you know. but, and he goes on to say, he quotes from Luke 22, 53, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. And then he, he closed this paragraph with this statement. It is the hour of the accuser. Again, talking about the wee hours. It is the hour of the accuser, and he dredges up all the old scores I settled long ago with Christ. I think it was William Gurnall who said, Sin puts a dagger in man's, in man's bed, and every time he turns, it cuts and stabs him. And, uh, and obviously that was probably written as a warning to, to not sin, but also there is a sense in which we all stumble and sin in many ways, and unless our conscience is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, And unless we know that and hold fast to that throughout the night, Satan will take that dagger and slash us with it. So at night in particular, certainly at all hours of the day, but at night in particular, you must know the value of the blood of Jesus Christ. You must know that your life is under his protection and under his love and that you are saved completely by his blood. You must know and appreciate And meditate upon the sufficiency of Christ's death to completely and totally and more than adequately pay for your sins. Some thoughts from Hebrews 10 are good to think on. By one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And also... Their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Those are all thoughts from Hebrews chapter 10. And at Christmas time, we we think of uh, the birth of Jesus. And the the Bible tells us that the angel told Joseph 
that you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That, that is Christ's basic mission. And he accomplished it. And you can rest assured of that. That if you are his, if you are his people, he saves you from your sins. So if you are worried about your sins or failures at night, you can go back to sleep knowing that he saved you totally, eternally, perfectly from your sins. At night, I think you, you, should, you must dwell uh, upon the tender and merciful nature of Christ to you. I mean, if you want to think, there's, I mean, there's certainly other aspects of Christ, but I think it's really important at night when you're vulnerable to dwell upon the tender and merciful nature of Christ to you. I recently uh, downloaded a, a book, an old book, which a lot of the stuff I read is very old, but it's from a, by a Puritan writer, uh, Richard Sibbs. And the book is called The Bruised Reed, and it's taken from that thought that, that Christ... Um, will not break a bruised reed. In other words, it's show, showing the mercy of Christ. We all are bruised, is his thesis. We are all broken and bruised, um, or we are all bruised, and he, Christ will not, will not break us because of his mercy. And he said this, For more evidence of Christ's mercy to all bruised reeds, consider the comforting relationship he has taken upon him, himself of husband, of shepherd, and of brother, which he will discharge to the uttermost. In other words, he, Christ will be, he will take care of that duty. He is called to be your husband, your shepherd, your brother. He will discharge that to the uttermost. Consider the names he has borrowed from the mildest creatures, such as lamb and hen, to show his tender care. Consider his very name, Jesus, a Savior given by God himself. Consider his office, which is that he should bind up the brokenhearted. What mercy may we not expect from so gracious a mediator who took our nature upon him so that he might be gracious to us? In a sense, that's what Christmas is all about. Christ took our nature upon himself. He came here for us that that he might be gracious to us that he might do something for us, that he might save us from our sins, that he might save us from our fears, that he might save us from all the powers of darkness and keep us eternally safe in his life. The second second battle, um, nighttime can can be a time of terror, including all sorts of fears and anxious thoughts. I chose Psalm 91 for the scripture reading this morning because of this. Psalm 91 refers to the terrors of the night. And I know personally if I fear something during the day, I can fear it double or triple at night. And Satan knows that. And he uses that against us in the night or in the wee hours of the morning. You know, we all know that children are prone to fears at night. And I think of, of many times when I put our gr- grandchildren to bed, not that they stay overnight that much, but in past years when they have, I just to- totally remember putting them down uh, to tuck them in for the night and, and 
we might get drinks of water and all that kind of stuff. But usually it gets down, would get down to, Grandpa, would you pray for me that I wouldn't be afraid? Or pray for me so that, that I can go to sleep or that I wouldn't have any bad dreams. I mean, kids, kids know that, that they have fears that they deal with at night. And even though we may not admit it, or maybe we don't, wouldn't like to admit it, uh, that we, we as adults have fears too, and sometimes at night. And not, not all fears stop at childhood by any means. Adults have fears of the future, uh, fears of financial problems, fears about business problems, relationship problems. And even on a, 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 a darker or deeper side, uh, adults sometimes have fears, even adults, even people that have been Christians or believers for a long time have fears about abandonment or rejection by God. Well, the solution, according to uh, Psalm 91, the solution to these nighttime fears or terrors is to dwell in God's protection. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells, he who abides, who remains, who lives in, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, You are my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Then here comes that promised protection. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. You know, Acts 12, 1 through 6 is a story that I've always loved that, that gives me this, just this beautiful example of not fearing anything at night. And it's a story about Peter and the kind of confidence that he had at a, at a very dangerous point in his life. Uh, Herod had uh, put James to death with the sword, and Peter was next. That, that is just the reality of what was going on. Uh, Herod saw that it pleased the Jews to put... Uh, James to death with the sword, and so he arrested Peter, intending to do the same thing to him. So he was arrested, put in prison. He was to be tried and executed in the morning, it says. Verse 6 in that passage says, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And I love that. Peter able to sleep bound between two soldiers, bound in chains, going to be put on trial in the morning. I don't know if you've ever been in court, but it's a nerve-wracking experience, even if you're not going to be put to death. And here he was, able to sleep. Um, I, I find that amazing, encouraging, and just a, just a good example to pursue that kind of peace uh, in all circumstances. Peter may have thought of Psalm 4.8, in peace. I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Luther uh, wrote how the birds should teach us to sleep without fear. Like the little bird upon the tree, he has fed himself tonight. He knows not where his breakfast is tomorrow. He sits there while the wind rocks the tree. He shuts his eyes and puts his head under his wing and sleeps. And when he awakes in the morning, he sings, Mortals, cease from toil and sorrow. 
God provides for tomorrow. The third nighttime battle, I will call just spiritual oppression or spiritual attack. And I differentiate this from, from the others that I've talk, talked about because I, I mean by this something more directly uh, demonic. There is something beyond normal fears that we can deal with during the day or night. We can, as believers, experience uh, demonic oppression. And I think this is what Paul had in mind in saying that we wrestle with forces of evil and powers of darkness. I mean, he's, he's talking about something that, is, um, that, is, that originates from the enemy. And I think some can get carried away with this, but nevertheless, it is. It is very real. When I was uh, preparing for this message, I, I have a Wycliffe Bible commentary I was very interested in what it said on Psalm 91, the psalm that is our scripture reading this morning. It said, The Jewish Talmud suggests that this psalm can be used in case of demonic attacks. I remember when I read that, I thought, whoa, Psalm 91. And he went on, the the Wycliffe Bible commentary actually went on to show historically how uh, the Jews had used this psalm as a protection against uh, demons, against demonic activity and attack. And I'll just read you some of what it says. This is not Bible truth. This is what the Jewish Talmud says. But it says, The terror of night may refer to night demons. The arrow by day may re- describe the vices of, the, of wicked, the wicked daytime demons. This pestilence in darkness may have affin- affinity with a certain demon, the destruction at noonday may refer to another demon in rabbinical tradition. Even if, and then the Wycliffe Bible commentary says, even if these ideas were absent from the writer's thoughts, in other words, the writer of Psalm 91, even if these ideas were absent from the writers of Psalm 91's thoughts, they were very much a part of the psalm in its actual Jewish use. That was interesting. Interesting. Because the answer against all attacks, be they demonic or whatever, is to say to the Lord, you are my refuge. Is to abide in Christ. Is to be strong in the Lord. But I have felt the presence of evil in certain situations and places and times. And I'm sure you, you have too. It's, it, it just seems to go along with with being uh, believers in the Lord. Being, if we are attached to the Lord and know Him, uh, we we are just by nature in the spiritual conflict. Bravery comes in these experiences, and, and I do believe, believe we should be brave and not be. This isn't something that should spook us. Okay. Bravery comes in these experiences by knowing Christ's complete victory over the devil and all evil. Jesus said to his disciples, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I love that. I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. 
And behold, he said to the disciples, Behold, I have given you a power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall harm you. I couldn't even begin to explain all that that verse means. I don't, even, I don't know what all of it means. But I know for sure that we have victory over Satan and protection from Satan. Victory over spiritual oppression comes from remembering confidently, from knowing, from meditating upon the truth that evil has been defeated and that it will be shown to have lost in the final day. Evil will lose. Christ will reign. Evil will look weak and pathetic as it is overwhelmed by the authority of Christ. As it says in Revelation, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient ancient serpent, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. You know, Christ came as a baby, but he is also a great warrior judge over all of our enemies. A verse I personally love in times of, of spiritual attack, Jeremiah 20, verse 11. And Jeremiah was referring to human enemies, I'm sure, and it can apply to that too. But uh, Jeremiah twenty eleven, Jeremiah said this, But the Lord is with me like a dread champion. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. I love that. The Lord is with me like a dread champion. If you do not know that God is mighty, if you do not know that your Savior is a mighty warrior, you need to know that, especially in dealing with the powers of the enemy. And especially at night, you, know that you need to know that the Lord is with you. Some translations, instead of dread champion, say like a mighty warrior. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. Our God, is, our God is a mighty warrior. Amen? Amen. So what are some of our weapons for the night battle? Certainly, I, I, I hope that, that I've shared some things that would be helpful. But I, I want to focus on some specific weapons for our nighttime battles. And there's, there's certainly some overlap with what, what I've already said I'll, I'll acknowledge. Number one, number one weapon is just the security of knowing and belonging to Jesus Christ. There's nothing that gives you more sense of safety than just knowing that your life is hid with Christ in God. You belong to him. You are in him and he is in you. And again, thinking of Christmas time, Matthew one twenty three said, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is our assurance that God is with us. Jesus dwelling in us is God being with us. And in the, in the hours of, of, of the night, in the hours of darkness, we need unshakable confidence that we belong to Jesus Christ and, and that he accepts us. 
and there's lots of verses that we that we could we could talk about from that. Just you know, we are accepted in the beloved. Um, we need to know that. But two verses that maybe unusual verses that for for a Christian because these are normally used for for uh, almost evangelistically or to talk with people that don't know the Lord. But they're actually two verses that I find some of the greatest comfort in and assurance of Christ with me uh, day or night. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. That verse was not written for un- to unbelievers. It was written, it can be used for that. I'm not, I'm gonna, not going to uh, say it can't, but it was written to the church. It was written to Christians who in, who in essence had shut Christ out. And so here's, here's these believers that, that really had, 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 had shut Christ out, so to speak. And yet Jesus says to them, Behold, I stand at your door and knock. And if you hear my voice, if anyone, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. The part I like about that is if, if you open the door, I will come in. Not that I might come in. And again, he was talking to bad Christians. <laughs> okay? And he said, if you open the door, anyone there opens the door, I will come in. And that gives me assurance that if I just open my heart, that he wants to come in. He's, he loves to, to fellowship with me and with you. The other verse is John 6, 37. Uh, the one who, this is just a part of that verse, but the phrase from that is, the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. And I think even as uh, long-time believers, we, we, we sometimes uh, struggle a bit with thinking that the perfect, high and holy Jesus would dwell with me, would want me hanging around him. But he says, uh, the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. So if you want Jesus to be near you, if you want to be near Jesus, then just come to him and he will never turn you away. He will never turn you away at any hour of the day or of the night. Second weapon for nighttime battles is meditation on the word of God. And probably some people say, oh boy. You know, we hear so much about got to be in the Word. Uh, but, man, it's so true. We need meditation upon the Scriptures to, have, to live victoriously at any time, but certainly during the night. Uh, Psalm 119, 148 says, My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your Word. I love that. It's like I go to sleep, but if I wake up, and I'm just I'm looking forward to that. I'm anticipating that so that I may meditate on your word because that, that's so sweet during the night. Psalm or Psalm one and Joshua one eight both tell us to meditate on this book day and night. To meditate 
on this book day and night. You know, everybody knows what worry is, is basically meditating on your problems. Uh, it's just to think and to rethink, to think and again, think again and again, to think some more about something that troubles you or is causing you fear. And meditation is, is just the same process, only thinking and rethinking about God's goodness and His mercy and His grace and His love and His protection and His power and His promises. So be careful what you think about at night. Uh, instead of your problems, think on promises like Psalm 138, 7. Though I, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will pre- preserve my life. Number three weapon for nighttime battles is make nighttime a time of friendship and communion with God. Psalm 63.6, on my bed, I remember you. It's just what you're spo- that's what you're supposed to do on your bed. Remember God. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. You know, many times, nighttime is the best time to talk to God and to let him talk to you. Psalm 16, 7, I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. Psalm 17, 3, you have visited me by night. I mean, night, nighttime can be a special time. It's, it, you know, it was, it was at night that the Lord appeared to Paul in a vision at Corinth and said, do not fear. Go on preaching. I have many people here. So you are not apart from God at night. Um, You are not apart from God when you sleep. Psalm 3, 5, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustains me. In the midst of all the pressures, all the evils, all the trials, all the disappointments, all the unresolved problems, you can lay down and sleep and you will awake for the Lord sustains you. Or consider Psalm 139.18. When I awake, I am still with you. I, I have worn that verse out in the morning. You are with him when you sleep and with him when you wake up, whether you feel like it or not. And, you know, when you, when you wake up, you might feel pretty rough. I mean, there's times you can, you can feel like you've been run over by a truck physically, spiritually, emotionally. You might feel like you're a million miles away from God when you wake up, yet you can say boldly, when I awake, I am still with you. Because you are, thanks to the work of Christ to bring you to God. Fourth weapon to use during the night is to sing. Again, this one might seem kind of strange or even impossible. And I, actually, I probably wouldn't mention it, except that nighttime singing is so prevalent in the Bible. Psalm 149.5, let the godly ones sing for joy on their beds. Psalm, or Job 35.10 refers to God my maker who gives songs in the night. Psalm 77.6, I remember my song in the night. Psalm 42.8, the Lord commands his loving kindness in the day and his song will be with me in the night. Uh, the Living Translation says, But each day the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing His songs, praying to the God who gives me life. 
Paul and Silas sang hymns at midnight from the depths of a Philippian jail. I ran across a message by John Piper titled, Ambushing Satan with Song. He said, if anybody were to say to us today, when you hit bottom, sing hymns to God, we would probably say to them, lay off with these simplistic solutions. You've obviously never been on the bottom. But Paul and Silas were on the bottom, were at the bottom, and they sang hymns to God. Sometimes the only solutions left in life are the simple ones. Sometimes when you don't know what else to do, you sing. You worship in song. Well, to sum everything up, you must put on the full armor of God even at night. Being a Christian isn't just a daytime thing. The answer for all battles, day or night, is to remain in the Lord, to live in Him, to keep your mind and your heart and your emotions fixed upon Him. And again, I'm going to end with Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Then you will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day. So have you made the Lord your refuge? Uh, Do you talk to him that way? When you are fearful, when you are anxious, uh, when darkness comes, do you say to the Lord out loud, you are my refuge, you are my strength and my salvation. I place all of my hopes in you. And that really is the answer to everything, day or night. Christ came into this world so that your sins would, could be forgiven and so that you could have real spiritual security from all the powers of darkness, even at night. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you that you are so faithful to be with us, to watch over us, to protect us, that when we do as the, as the old prayer says, when, when we lay, if I lay me down to sleep, you will keep my soul. And Lord, we thank you just for the, the, the beauty of that, that you watch over us even while we sleep, that you protect us. When we're awake in the night struggling with things, you are there to fight for us, to help us, to be our refuge. Um, we thank you that Jesus came into the world to save us from our sins and from our fears and from all spiritual darkness. And in his name we pray, and to his glory we say, Amen.